makes it harder for us to do it. Okay. Did we do it? Excellent. Good morning. And welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. My name is Adam Briskin Limehouse. My pronouns are he and him, and I am the officiant today. West is one community unified across time and space, gathering for these Sunday platforms to affirm our values and commit to a better world. So I want to welcome those of you who are here in the hall, those of you who are watching now on Zoom, now that we've got the sound going, and those of you who are catching the recording later. If you are on Zoom, please check the chat to, for a welcome and various tips from Peter Bishop, today's Zoom chat usher. If you're here in the hall and would like an assistive listening device, please ask the sound team at the back. A special welcome to our visitors today. We'd love to get to know you and answer any questions you have. To get in our email at tiny.cc forward slash westconnects or send an email to membership at ethicalsociety.org. And if you're here in person, we invite you to stop by the welcome table after platform or just chat with anyone wearing a printed name badge. We're delighted to talk about what we love about this community and eager to learn what you brought here today and what you are seeking. I will now check the Zoom chat to see who's attending remotely this morning. Welcome to Cynthia Goodman, Mark Meyer, Laura Descuyo, Laura Briskin-Limehouse watching from home. We have a new puppy. <laughs> there has to be at least one adult with the puppy. It is good to connect and share this time together. Opening, this word, opening words this morning are from Mr. Rogers. All of us at some time or other need help. Whether we're giving or receiving help, each one of us has something valuable to bring to this world. There, that's one of the things that connects us as neighbors. In our own way, each one of us is a giver and a receiver. Today's opening song is The Ghost in You by Richard and Tim Butler, arranged by our own Joshua Blinder. Thank you. 
Each week, we read our statement of purpose as a reminder of our shared values. If you are interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc forward slash read SOP. You can read it here in person or make a recording that will be included in a future platform. Today's reader is Terry Smith. Thank you, Adam. Okay, pay attention, this is important. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you so much, Terry. As Terry lights our community candle, I invite everyone to join in our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all.
Let us now enter into the sintering time of our platform. Each week we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today I am particularly mindful of all those impacted by climate change-induced extreme weather, including those scorched by heat in Arizona and those driven from their homes by flash floods in the Northeast. As we listen to the chime, let us remember to our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us open our hearts to compassion for those who suffer. And let us commit ourselves to the work that calls for our love. I invite you now into a time of meditation. Begin by getting into a comfortable position. Close your eyes and take a few moments to just breathe. Breathe slowly and calmly. Focus on this single act of breathing, such a simple act but essential to life. Just breathe. Perhaps you have thoughts right now about other things you think you should be doing. Acknowledge these thoughts. Consider what types of tasks, activities, and demands are going through your mind right now. Focus on and acknowledge the thoughts that come up for you over the next few moments. Sit quietly now and reflect upon the thoughts that may have been coming up. Allow each thought to pass without dwelling on any particular one. Let each thought come and go and notice each one as an observer. During the next moment of silence, I want you to allow all thoughts to pass and simply relax. Do nothing. There is nothing you need to do or to think about. Every time thoughts arise, just let them go, emptying your mind completely. Let's begin. Take a deep breath in. Reflect upon the last few moments and acknowledge the thoughts and feelings that came up for you. Take a deep breath in and as you exhale, allow your body to begin to relax. Breathe slowly and naturally. Raise your shoulders towards your ears. 
Then let your shoulders relax, dropping into a comfortable, loose position and feeling yourself sinking into the surface you are on. Allow your jaw to drop slightly, letting the muscles of your face and jaw become loose and relaxed. Wiggle your toes once or twice and feel your feet and legs relaxing. Gently open and close your hands once and again, and then relax your hands and arms. Take a deep breath in, feeling the tension in your chest and stomach as you hold that breath and allow your chest and stomach to relax as the breath escapes slowly. Allow the muscles of your back to relax from your neck to your lower back, feeling your whole body relaxing. Notice any areas of tension in your body and relax those now. Take a moment just to enjoy the feeling of relaxation. We continue with the music that follows.
If seasons were reasons, there'd be no doubt the sequel of changes that are putting you out. But on a question of whether you put a lie, you can answer that looking like there in their eyes. Don't you? to be there obviously though my friend the sun looks well Our platform today is showing up to change, recognizing that calls to action can sometimes come with feelings of frustration or guilt. Consider this excerpt from Terry Pratchett's I Shall Wear Midnight. For those unfamiliar, Terry Pratchett was a British author and satirist most famous for his Discworld novels. In this scene, our hero, Tiffany Aching, a young witch, has been asked what it is she most desires as compensation for ending a grievous conflict and bringing the local baron together with his new partner. I want a school, sir. I want a school here on the chalk. Well, the traveling teachers do come through every few months, said the baron. Yes, sir, I know, sir, and they're useless, sir. They teach facts, not understanding. It's like teaching people about forests by showing them a saw. I want a proper school, sir, to teach reading and writing and most of all thinking, sir so people can find what they're good at. Because sometimes doing what they really like, what they really like is always an asset to their community. And too often people never find out until it's too late. There have been times lately when I dearly wished that I could change the past. Well, I can't. But I can change the present so that when it becomes the past, it will turn out to be a past worth having. Learning is about finding out who you are, what you are, where you are, and what you are standing on, and what you are good at, and what's over the horizon, and, well, everything. It's about finding the place where you fit. I found the place where I fit, and I would like everybody else to find theirs. Integral to ethical culture and this society's heritage, is our way of governing ourselves. Congregations of members who freely choose to come together and who elect from their own, within their own ranks a board of trustees to govern for and with the membership. I invite our 2023-2024 board to come up on stage. First, the membership portion, then they talk. 
Ready? Yep. All right. I invite the members of West to rise and offer their words to the new board. We, the members of the Washington Ethical Society, affirm your role as trustees of our community. In that role, we trust you to provide guidance, oversight, vision for our society. We have formed a special partnership with our senior leader in matters of vision and strategy and your connection to the entire West leadership whom you serve. We appreciate your dedication to West and offer our support and involvement as you seek to govern with deep care for our health and flourishing. We accept that before us and appreciate the trust you place in us. We are honored to serve West in this way and we look forward to the year ahead and all that it will bring. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. My name is, wow, my name is Sarah Morris. My pronouns are she, hers. Um, as one of my first acts as the new, uh, newly inducted board president, I'd like to thank our outgoing trustee, Mirka Willis. <laughs> Her contributions, particularly in the last year as treasurer, have been invaluable, and we appreciate you, Mirka. I'm happy to present the new board for the 23-24 program year, which includes returning trustees Trang Duong, John Pfeiffer, Christine Parcelli, Abby Dakin, and Donna Taylor. and a new trustee who's actually a returning trustee, Perry Bider. Thank you all so much for agreeing to share your time and energy to help lead Wes. We look forward to continuing to work with our senior leader, Casey Slag, um, as they enter their second year of leading the community and to working with all of you in this new program year as we take on new challenges and create new opportunities. Thank you. Pause for people to return to their seats. Our platform speaker today is our senior leader, Casey Slack. Hello. Hello. Wow, I could not see how many of you there were from slightly behind that curtain. This is nice. Hi. So I have broadly two points today. One is that we must keep in mind and keep refining our why. 
And two is that each person who chooses to participate in our community changes our community, changes our what and our how, and shapes our why. To start, though, I want to tell you what I've been up to for the past several weeks since many of you have seen me. First, I attended the Unitarian Universalist General Assembly. That's the annual meeting where the UUA does its Sophia Betancourt, who was actually one of my professors and mentors in seminary. Sophia is local to the DC area and has actually asked to come speak here at some point, so if she has time, look forward to that. <laughs> A lot of what the General Assembly for UUs was about this year also was a discussion of something called Article 2. In Unitarian Universalism, we keep in our bylaws some information about our values. Article 2 is where those things live. And we're required to revisit those things every 15 years. We're currently working with a version that we actually first wrote in the early 1980s. The current version of Article 2 is, in its whole, older than I am. Not a lot older, but older. <laughs> Over the years, we've adapted it, added, and changed some language, but it has mostly stayed as a list of seven principles and six sources, with the occasional addition of a source, addition of a principle. But this time, when tasked with looking at Article 2, the commission decided to completely rewrite it. To say, you know, we don't believe in creeds, and we've turned this list into a doctrinal statement, into a creed. So what does it look like to take those values and make something else? As you might imagine, this was pretty contentious. It has been pretty contentious, and not none of that is because making big changes during a pandemic is hard and probably not something we should have tried to do. But the version of Article 2 passed, and what will happen now is that there will be another year for amendments to be offered. These amendments have a higher threshold than the previous ones did. You have to have 15 congregations agree to the amendment. And then there will be a final vote next year. It's a long process. The other things that I've been up to include doing some background business for the American Ethical Union's upcoming uh, big meeting, which will be at the end of July. Uh, the background work of that tends to be a little messier than the background work I do at the UUA, but it is happening. The AU has some big decisions to make this year. Ones that are probably bigger than the UUA's decisions about President and Article 2. A lot of what the AEU needs to make decisions about is the immediate future. How do we get through the direct next thing so that we can have a future at all? 
All of this is going to be more related here in a second, I promise. Another thing that I did during this time, since many of you last saw me, was speak at the Smithsonian Folklife Festival. I was on two separate panels, one which I organized. Uh, folks from the Smithsonian reached out to me and they said, would you like to put together a panel and also be on one? And I was stunned, because how do you know who I am? Uh, <laughs> But I put together a panel on living a non-theistic faith. So that was me, Hugh Taft Morales, who serves at the Baltimore and Philadelphia Societies, Gregory Bonin, who is a newly credentialed ethical culture leader and also newly in preliminary fellowship with the UUA. He's just finished an internship at the UU congregation in Arlington with former senior leader of West, Amanda Poppy. And then Condra Sears, who is a member of the Baltimore Ethical Society and also a member of the AEU board. And we got together and had a conversation kind of in the round. We each had questions for each other and we discussed our different perspectives on things like why be good at all. Heavy stuff there. There will at some point be an audio recording of that. The Smithsonian folks are taking a little while to get all of their audios uploaded. I promise I will let you know when it's there. The other panel was one that the Smithsonian folks asked me to be on, uh, initially titled Women and Community Leadership, and then uh, thankfully quickly shifted to Gender and Community Leadership when I said, that's lovely, but I'm not a woman. Um, it was a great conversation between me, uh, a woman who is the outgoing chair of the Divinity School at Howard and ingoing dean of the Divinity School at Vanderbilt. Those are big shoes <laughs> to sit next to. A woman who is the national president of an auxiliary women's organization with a national Muslim organization. And a woman who was the first deaf woman who is an ordained clergy person in the Lutheran tradition, and who is still one of only three deaf women ordained and serving congregations in that tradition. Our conversation was mostly kind of individual, but wound up being about interfaith work, about how we talk to each other across these assumptions and differences about what it means to be who we are. We all talked about how there weren't a lot of models for what it meant to lead in our particular bodies and our particular experiences of gender. About how that makes all of us a little more ready to see each other's particulars. I've also spent a lot of time asleep since you last saw me. <laughs> taking gentle walks in the park tending to my own continued burnout from uh, the pandemic years of ministry, which were hard. I feel a little more like a person than I have in some time, so that's great. I've also had some time to watch some television and really feel and think about the television I've been watching, and one thing I've been watching that is relevant to the stuff I'm about to say is a show called The Righteous Gemstones. Have any of you seen it? Yeah, okay. So The Righteous Gemstones is about a megachurch run by a singular family. It is a generational sort of leadership that I ooh, do not believe in. 
where the father founded this congregation. It got huge, and now he and his children all run it together with some kind of values. <laughs> the values are a big question mark. The thing that stuck out to me most recently in my watching of it is there is a sibling who appears who is part of the leadership of a smaller, slightly more intense and snake-handly congregation. And on the back wall of their sanctuary is a sign that says, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. What a different sign. <laughs> I thought if ours said something like that, it would say everything different, today, tomorrow, and forever. <laughs> this is part of what I mean by continuing to refine our why. We're not a community that gets to say, well, here is our one book and our one interpretation of our one book. Sometimes I wish for something that easy. Sometimes I wish I could say, you know what, but the book says. But which book? Isn't, isn't even simply which version of that book a thing Christians do deal with. But which book are we even in? What books are we reading? What library do we go to? Because we don't all go to the same library. We haven't all read the same books. We don't all look to the same place for why we're doing this. So we have to keep talking. We have to stay in conversation and do what is actually very hard work, to know what our whys are. Each of you came here for some reason. I know some of your reasons. Some of you came here in grief, looking for some comfort in a time in your life that was not going well. Some of you came here as children, were raised here and shaped by this place. Some of you came here because you Googled Atheist Church, and this is what came up. And at least one of you came here because you're married to me. <laughs> it's just the one, none of the rest of you are married to me. You all had individual whys for coming here, but none of our individual whys are our collective why, right? But our collective why is to be a place you can go when your heart is broken, and at very least feel held in your brokenheartedness. Some of our why is to be a place that you can go if you still want a church-like community, but you are done doing the church thing. Or if you never wanted to do the church thing, but you think that maybe the world could use more community than it has. A problem that ethical culture, Unitarian Universalism, and let me be clear, some other traditions also have, is that our initial reason, some of our initial reason, 
was to be someplace else to go on Sunday morning when you had to go somewhere on Sunday morning. A young UU colleague of mine, a recent college graduate, Karishmata Gottfried, recently wrote a long paper on 21st century Unitarian Universalism. And in doing that, she visited several congregations in different regions to ask people what their why was. In the congregations in Michigan and Oregon that she visited, the answer was much more, I come here because I want community. I come here because I want people to journey with. I come here because I believe we're better together. But in the congregation that she visited in Tennessee, the answer was much more often, I come here so that when people say, where do you go to church, I don't say nowhere. Because in that context, outside of Memphis, Tennessee, not going anywhere is still not particularly okay. In DC, we have kind of a mix, right? It is still pretty common. There are a lot of churches here, right? And there is some social capital that comes with going certain places, right? You know when certain powerful people are in town, where they go, and some people go there really just to get that touch of power. Interesting choice, not the one I would make, but okay. So why are we here? Why is Wes here? Why is ethical culture here? Why is Unitarian Universalism here and elsewhere? I don't have the answer to that. I don't think my job is to have the answers for you. But my job is to remind you of the questions that we need to be asking. What is the point? This is a question that my burnout asks me very often. What is the point of any of this? Why are we doing this? Are we here to pat ourselves on the back for being smarter than everybody else? I'd rather if we weren't. Are we here to meet each other for real in a way that the rest of the world does not help us do? I would like that to be a reason we're here. Are we here to explore? Are we here to offer the world something that doesn't say I have the answer, but does say I will have these questions with you? I will see your broken heart and your joy and I will have them with you. I will hold your hand while you figure out what your next step is. I will celebrate when you reach a milestone. I will be willing to undo my own initial learning of the world that says I can know who people are before I've really met them. That I can put people in boxes and let those boxes tell me who I'm going to meet. At the Living a Non-Theistic Faith panel, there was a question and answer period, and only two people got to ask questions, but they were very different sets of questions and both interesting in their way. I'll start actually with the second set of questions. 
The second set of questions came from a young Muslim man, a black man from Alexandria, Virginia, who had been on a panel about Islam himself only a few days before this panel, and who told me that he had spoken after his panel to someone decked out in American flags and that notorious red hat, who had more conversation with him than he expected before telling him to go back to where he's from, which is, again, Alexandria. <laughs> he asked, one, if we had all considered religions other than Christianity before deciding to do this kind of non-theistic shift. Several of us had talked about our kind of traumatic histories with Christianity, me included. And I think that his question was a fair one. In fact, one of my long-term critiques of uh, capital A atheists, as I will call them in this moment, is especially when I first was meeting people in college, let me be clear, this is a pretty young perspective also, that they seemed to be rejecting exactly one version of God and not thinking about all the other things God could mean. I talked about my interactions with Islam, with Hinduism, and with other faiths, because as a Unitarian Universalist seminarian, you are required to learn about everything. And I was in seminary with people whose faiths ranged from stronger atheism than I have ever personally experienced to things I had never heard of before, like Swedenborgian Christianity, a thing I still don't understand. The answers, though, wound up being something like, you know, I thought about it and then I decided that which of these gods is most right was not a question I was interested in. That what I was interested in was something else. His second question was about objective morality and how we dealt with the idea of objective morality. Hugh Taft Morales answered beautifully, discussing his concern for intersubjective morality, the kind of morality that appears when we share our perspectives together. I said that I was open to the idea that out there somewhere there might be objective morality, but I can't see it on my own, and nobody has ever seen it in full by themselves that the conversation is always more important than having the right answer. I liked these questions. These questions were asked out of a real spirit of desire to understand and connect. When I spoke to him after the panel, we had some more conversation about our differing perspectives, our lack of agreement on some very important things but our shared sense that knowing each other for real, hearing each other's real answers to these hard questions was much more important than trying to convince each other of what we think is true. The first question was different. The first question was asked by somebody who I am increasingly convinced had been sent there by her youth group. <laughs> she appeared very frightened to speak. She was dressed in a way that I associate with homeschooled evangelicals. 
that's not a judgment, it's just I've known a lot of homeschooled evangelicals and there is a style of dress. And she asked in a quiet voice initially, how when the world is so clearly, what is the word, created, designed, any of us could possibly be atheists. Before I really thought about what was happening, I said, I do not see a world that is clearly designed. I simply don't see that thing, and so I cannot follow your premise. We gave some answers, but she was happy with none of them. And she kept returning to, but the world is so obviously created, and no amount of I don't see that, or Chandra, who is a scientist, saying, you know, when you really look at it, it is a lot less clear, <laughs> changed her position at all. She wasn't there to have a conversation with us. She wasn't really there to learn about our perspectives. She left immediately after this and had not been there for much of the panel up to it. She was there to be difficult. Any of you ever been somewhere to be difficult? Yeah, it's a thing. It's fine. We all do it sometimes. But I think we got to think about when we're showing up to be difficult and when we're showing up to have a conversation. When we have some pet belief that we have decided is the truth, the thing, what must happen, and are showing up just to say, no, you are wrong. That also really made me think about Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. A world that is created is one that's not supposed to change. A world that is created is one that is divorced from the continual becoming that I see the world actually having. The weird and constantly changing reality that is biology, that is chemistry, that is the weird and wild world of physics. Things where we keep learning that everything is more complicated than we thought. Everything, different yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. Part of how we change is by showing up, or not, right? Your life is different if you are at home and not watching this today, if you are at home at all, right? The Zoom experience is different from the in-person experience. Your life is different if you choose to participate in a Thai group or not. If you choose to volunteer for one of our many committees or not. And we're different depending on what you choose today. Our music is different today because multiple people chose to participate. And that adds a richness and a beauty. And so my contention is that the more you can participate, the better this is all going to be. The more we can show up together and see each other as full, complicated people, the bigger each of us is going to be in something that you could call spirit if you were into that, emotional space, development, thought, right? 
Meeting people lets you change. And change is good. In fact, change is the natural state of the universe. It will be happening whether you like it or not. When we can be together and we can have real conversations, we can pick a why that we can focus on. We can say, here is the point of the Washington Ethical Society. Or here is one of six points of the Washington Ethical Society. We need not be so focused as to have only one. And then we can run all our decisions by, does this fit the point? This helps us not get into stupid little side fights about our own particular aesthetic preferences or whatever. We all know how easy it is to have a fight about something else because you can't handle dealing with the thing that is really happening. This is a problem that I have. Sometimes I am having an emotion and the emotion is about who knows what. And I want to have a fight about something. And so I pick a fight about nothing at all. I am pretty good at announcing to Caitlin that I am now picking a fight about nothing at all. <laughs> and can we please just argue about something? I just need to get this out of me. Earlier in my life, my habit around that was to call my father, a man with whom I agree about very little, and say, hello, I love you, can we have a fight? <laughs> For him and I, that works really well. We are both uh, sort of energetic, aggressive people by some sort of nature. I have calmed mine down much more than he ever did. But it works to say, can I have a fight about something stupid so I can figure out what is actually happening for me? But in community, often we're having a fight about something over here, when the point is over there, and we're having this fight because we can't get close enough to our feelings to have the fight that's actually there. When I look at the fight at the UUA over Article 2, or everything that's happening in the AU right now, I see proxy fights for something much deeper, something much more serious. And that something much more serious is, why are we here at all? What is the point of this organization? In a world where, at least in cities, hello, Calliope. Calliope is your name, I can pronounce that. The dog has feelings. The dog has spoken a word. Thank you. In a world where it is really easy not to go anywhere on Sunday morning, in fact, where there is pressure to do anything else on Sunday morning, especially if you have children. What is the point? Why are we here? That is a hard question to get an answer to. I struggle constantly with, why did I decide to do this thing instead of several other things I could have done that would have paid me better and maybe stressed me out less? That's not, a, that's not an insult. Y'all do great by me. <laughs> I am just saying that I could have made more money. <laughs> but that wasn't the point, right? My goal wasn't to make as much money as possible. My goal was to be with people, to have real relationships to help us build a place where we can try to do something better than what the world tells us to do. We can't ignore the world's obsession with money. We need to pay our bills. We can't ignore that the world wants you to have capital T truth and argue about it 
that the way most of us, I would say all of us, are enculturated to conversation is as something you win or lose, not something by which you are mutually changed. Our board looks much the same as it did last year with one switch of people. You might think, so that's the exact same board, but Perry and Mirka are not the same person. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> they share some skills, they share dedication to our community. They share a choice to have volunteered to do this work. But the board will be different this year. I will be different this year. You will be different this year. I have been changed by you. And you, at least many of you, have been changed by me. And that's the thing, right? If we are to pick, if I am to pick, a focal point for why we are here, why the Washington Ethical Society, because we can change together, because we can meet each other for real and seek the highest in each of us, which will look different. We can celebrate the differences between us and find something better than what we all had before. Find something better than what is outside, something more appropriate to the moment we find ourselves in than what we had before, which was great for the moment it was in. We can change together. We can hold each other's heartbreak just the same. We can hold each other's joy just the same. But we can't be unchanged. We can't keep doing things because we like the power we get from those things, because we like the comfort of something being exactly as it was. We have to learn and grow and live together, really seriously together. We got to try to do it all in the spirit of love because well, you could go a lot of other places if you pick something else to have in the middle. And you don't have to pick hate for the thing to go wrong. If the center is simply your feeling of safety, it is probably the wrong center. If the center is your sense of power, it is definitely the wrong center. If the center is your desire to not change, it's the wrong center. And if the center is only something someone who's been dead for over 100 years said, that's also probably the wrong center. But it's not wrong to keep it nearby because people have been wise for a long time. If the center is love, if the thing we pick is together, is care, is compassion, is community, is being together for real, I think there is so much possibility. I think that we can, as individuals and a community, grow. And more than that, we can do something that really matters. That really matters to each other and really matters to the world around us. 
we can make this better. Pick whatever this you want there. It can be better because we can do it together. We have to keep in mind and keep refining our why. We have to keep doing the work with whoever shows up to do it with us. I'm not gonna see you again for a few more weeks now. It'll be a little while of no Casey. I'm gonna go on vacation tomorrow. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. I'm gonna take some more naps. <laughs> I'm gonna turn off my email. It's gonna be fun. But when I come back, and on the way, let's think about why. And then think about how, and what, and where, and when and all the other good question marks. Let's be together and be changed by each other in the way that befits the tradition that we have, the seeking of the highest and my new secondary sign, everything different yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you. I am a little bit taller than Casey. And my head is cut off on Zoom, which is strange. Thank you. Okay. So I don't get to say this very often. Casey's really good at hermeneutics. He's a really good preacher. I don't get to say that word very often, but I really appreciate good preachers, and Casey's a really good preacher. All right. Thank you, Casey. In a few moments, we will have our community sharing time when you can write into the chat or share in person about what resonated with you in this platform. While we listen to today's musical response, you might prepare by reflecting on a personal experience or an activity at West that the platform brings to mind. Say 
the seven seas There's a tiny little boat Faith is keeping her afloat And a tiny little skipper With a long and tattered coat You know the law of the ocean Says that you will never fail Use your heart as an acre Faith as a compass And a blanket for a This is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates with our personal experiences. For our online participants, I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or in the comments if you are watching the recording later. If you are here in person, I encourage you to practice the same kind of brevity that our online commenters use. And if you've spoken in recent weeks, please consider leaving space for other voices today. You can come up to the microphone here on the floor and share brief comments. Let's start by checking to see what online participants have written in the Zoom comments. Peter Bishop shares, for me, the big point for coming to West is to get inspiration to help me set my own priorities in my life. Thus, where people meet to seek the highest advances this point. My priorities need to change with worldly events and with my own changing skills and resources. There is no formula that will provide the answer. Come back to Zoom momentarily. Now let's turn our attention to commenters in the hall. Please begin by saying your name and pronouns, and please be sure to keep your comments brief, perhaps no more than a minute or two, and so others have a chance to share. I'm Robin, uh, she, her pronouns. Great job today, Adam. I'm digging it. Props for your first Sunday as officiant. Um, so I wanted to share a quick story. So I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, where um, what Casey said is deeply true. The, you know, you live in DC, the first question you often get is, what do you do? Um, in Tennessee, the first question you get is, where do you go? And that's it. And where do you go? You're supposed to know they're asking where you go on Sundays. Um, not where do you go to school, not where do you go grocery shopping, where do you go? And the answer is so-and-so church. And if it's not the right answer, uh, they will invite you to theirs because there are correct and incorrect answers in people's eyes. Um, even to the point that my parents sent me uh, to a Church of Christ summer camp, a Catholic Sunday school, a um, Judaism class in elementary school, and a Buddhist temple on Saturdays in middle school. So that way, uh, whoever I was around, I could answer correctly. <laughs> Um, but what I wanted to really share is sitting in the back, and I watched, we've got three kiddos here today, one is mine, have been sitting up front, and they've been going in and out, um, as like, you know, kiddos often don't sit still, right? But the freedom you all have given them, the no judgment around them being them this morning, and just sitting in the very back row and watching not a single soul in this room glared judged, looked at me and was like, you can get your kid in line, um, felt really good. And so for anybody at home, I hope you'll come and feel that goodness like I did today. <laughs> 
So thank you all. Uh, Michael Dimion, he, him, uh, I am coming on about close to three years of membership here at WES, and I'm one of your audio uh, assistants in the back. And I um, joined WES because, yes, three of the four uh, little beings that you see around here are mine. Uh, one of them is not little anymore and is becoming an audio person themselves. And, and uh, you know, in one way or another, all of them find themselves queer. And it was really important for me to find a community, not only that accepts them, but is going to uh, embrace them and help them thrive. And uh, just a couple more points. I could have gone to the UU of Silver Spring. It's actually closer to me. Uh, but goodness, they don't have this type of music. Yeah. I, I, and, and also, our senior leader, I was uh, privileged to attend one of those sessions at the Smithsonian Folklife Festival, and I'm going to tell a story that they might be too diplomatic to tell. One of their co-panelists uh, outright said, you know, we are so happy about our tradition because our holy book tells us that, you know, uh, to, to the young women, cover up lest you be molested. So we have solutions to our problems. And our senior leader, I w if I had been up there, I would have exploded. Our senior leader, with a big smile, talked about how uh, the purpose of our tradition is to accept each individual for who they are, to learn about them, and to build relationships. And despite uh, the crowd seemingly being really packed with some other followers, the applause was marvelous, and it just made me feel so good. Perry Bider, he, him. Um, Robin already said the same basic point that I wanted to say, which was to thank and welcome Adam to the ranks of the Sunday officiants. Uh, but I'll just add, I'm really glad somebody had the foresight to make the height on the uh, lectern adjustable. Hi, Goldberg. Um, so the platform was about changes, and you mentioned snake handling in the Righteous Gemstones, which I have not seen, but it reminded me of a story of a professor I had in college. Now, this is a woman who grew up traveling with a religious family, speaking in tongues. She was the first PhD at Oral Roberts University, and she was Oral Roberts' personal protege. And the class she taught me was sexual deviance. So people do change. <laughs> Eric Moyer, uh, they, them, and um, I've got two things. First is just, I have to comment on Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever, because I've recently been looking at the first concept, the first century Christologies. And boy, even the way that they thought about Jesus in the first century has development, has very much diversity. Was he a 
was he a man who became exalted to be God at his resurrection or at his baptism or at his uh, he, he was just born of God, or was he a pre-existing being who became <laughs> certainly not the same there? And then if you see the development by the fourth century, they have all sorts of other stuff. So uh, even in Christianity, it's not the same. <laughs> but uh, that wasn't actually the main thing I wanted to say, which was, although it's related, because a lot of, you know, a question that I keep coming back to is why in Christianity, are there so many denominations? Um, why, why is there so much splitting? Um, and I think it may be because there's, a, there's a, a focus on, okay, you have to be the particularly right thing. There has to be the right uh, view. And if you don't agree with that particular one, well, you need to make something else to be the right view. And when Casey spoke about uh, what's the why, why are we here, I was saying, well, there's not going to be just one why. Everyone, you know, there's going to be several whys. You've got a lot of people, even if you have unification, there's still going to be several, you know, why are you here? I'm here to, to make sure that the, the, the slides go correctly, you know. <laughs> um, the, but then they use the word center. And we are finite, okay? This is important because finite things, if you have a finite vector space, you're going to be able to find a center. If you have something infinite, okay, that's different, but we're finite. And so even if we have lots of whys, we can still have a common center. Hi, I'm Pam, and I just wanted to say that the reason I came to Wes um, was because I had kids, and I had grown up in a Southern Baptist, that's where you go three times a week, and the thing I loved about it was the community, and so I wanted my kids to have that, and they did. They were very, very fortunate to, to be here and grow up and graduate and do all the things that they did, but the thing that kept me here was the focus on relationships and that ethical culture does have core beliefs and sometimes I think we stray away from talking about some of those and I know we've talked before about relationship building classes and things like that those are really good things to do and that's what makes ethical culture different from Unitarian. It makes it different from any other. I mean, there's a lot of the same stuff that goes through all religions, which the morality and whatever, but we do have something special here, and, um, and that's what I appreciate. And I also appreciate the music this morning. Thank you, Josh. I'm so glad I came to see real live music, and especially you. Thank you to all of our commenters. Let's see if we have any more comments that come in in Zoom.
From Sue Jacobson, thank you so much, KC. I hope all of the people working to fix the AU will listen to your platform and take it to heart. From Maceo, yesterday I sat down at a bar next to a solo white two-time Trump voting woman who I had a lovely conversation with. She did not truly believe racism was still a thing. The conversation that we had on that and other things was so amazingly friendly. I can say I don't have friendly conversations like this. We left, shared a hug, and agreed to stay in touch. The change that has allowed me to be in that space is blowing me away. Judy Meyer says, this whole conversation is so wonderful that I can't narrow down what I want to say beyond thank you, Josh, for the wonderful music. <laughs> and Mark Meyer said, I'm waiting to listen to Casey's platform again, so deep. Thank you to all who shared their thoughts and attention. Just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split all undesignated gifts in the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. This month, we are pleased to support the Protein Please campaign at the Shepherd's Table. Situated in the heart of downtown Silver Spring, Shepherd's Table serves individuals from all walks of life to address food insecurity and homelessness through an array of programs designed to both meet immediate needs and provide sustained social support. Their mission is to improve quality of life, create a pathway towards self-sufficiency, and inspire hope for the most vulnerable. They envision a DMV where lives are transformed with nourishment, empowerment, and care. In recent months, their food costs have spiked by more than 90%. Proteins help their clients stay full longer, but they account for 30 to 50% of Shepherd Table's food budget, forcing some tough decisions when ordering. So they need your help with some protein, please. Let's all take a moment to prepare to respond to the invitation to generosity as we are able. To donate online through the Simple Give system, text an amount to 202-335-1885, or go to tiny.cc westgives, or click on give on the website, ethicalsociety.org. To donate in person today, please place cash or check in the basket at the back of the hall on your way out or you can always send a check by mail, as weird as that may be seen. Thank you for your generosity. We will now receive your gifts and the gift of music. Just leave it to me You don't have to run and hide If you take a chance, I'll be right by your side. Your troubles I'll share. Call my name and I'll be there. I'll stay close to you. Shake a hand, shake a hand Shake a hand, shake a hand Shake a hand, shake a hand Shake a hand if you can Be truthful to me 
Thank you so much to the many people who helped to create this morning's time together. Staff members Casey Slack and Dara Miles, Robin Kravitz, Tamana Barangi, and Maceo Thomas, and our platform production team, the tech team members, slide artists, Zoom chat usher, and in-person greeters whose names you'll see on the closing credits slide. At the conclusion of the platform, please join us for social hour either here or via Zoom. First though, I want to mention a few things upcoming in the life of our community. Next Sunday, Joy Layden will be our platform speaker. Casey, who is Joy Layden? And what is she talking about? It wasn't in the program. So Joy Layden is a trans woman and a poet, and she'll be talking about poetry and her life experiences. She'll be joining us on Zoom as her health does not allow her to be in person with people. Um, but she is a friend of community member Cynthia Goodman and was recommended to me, and I'm real excited for y'all to hear her speak. Damn, I'm sorry I'm gonna be traveling. That sounds like a good one. Are you a cook, a baker, a gift basket maker? Do you like parties, themes, and helping Wes reach its financial dreams? The auction needs help from now to November. Let's make it an event Wes will remember. Contact Emily Newman for planning, donating, and day of volunteering. There's some snaps for Emily Newman for just coming up with that. It's pretty good. I want to spotlight the email sent on June 15th not July 15th, June 15th, that listed the teams that urgently need volunteers to help West be the vibrant, flourishing community we want it to be. Specifically, we are looking for people to join the stewardship and finance teams, the communication teams, the team to reimagine West's program for children and youth, the greeters and welcome team, the tech team and the music team, parentheses, no, you don't have to sing in the chorus or play an instrument, close parentheses. You can find that list of teams with sign-up links on the website at ethicalsociety.org forward slash connection. That's it for today's announcements. As always, you can find information about opportunities to connect in the weekly news and notes email and on the calendar page of Wes's website, ethicalsociety.org. 
Thank you all for being part of Platform today, whether in person, via Zoom, or watching later. I now invite you to join in singing our closing song, Share the Land. Okay, if you, uh, the Lord's will be up there in a sec. If you know the verses, great. I'm sure the chorus will get in no time. One, two, three, and. few last reminders before we leave. If you are new to our community, please introduce yourself in person or via the connection form at tiny.cc slash westconnects, or an email to membership at ethicalsociety.org. For those who wish to socialize online to reach virtual coffee hour, point your browser to tiny.cc forward slash westcoffeehour. And now I invite you to join me in our closing words for the month. 
Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment to a world where love and justice cross all borders. The one on the slide is different from the one on the script. Sorry about that. Again, thank you for all for joining today's platform. We look forward to connecting with you again soon. Yeah.